You're listening to The Bev Moore Show, broadcasting on the iHeart Network worldwide. In the memoir entitled The Sound of Her Voice, author and retired social worker Mary Harper tells the story of how her parents, two strong, independent individuals, overcome all challenges to live a full and successful life. She addresses topics about the challenges, struggles, and gifts of blind people, as well as how those around them can help them cope and succeed. Welcome to the show, Mary. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Mary, this inspiring story centers on a blind couple and their daughter. It skillfully shows how your parents' extraordinary lives could also be simply ordinary. Please tell us the story about your parents who were blind since childhood, a true love story of two kids who fell in love despite not being able to see each other. Well, to put it into context about my parents, um, they were born within about three months of each other in 1913-1914, and both sets of parents knew immediately that there was something wrong with their children's eyes. They were grossly enlarged. Um, My father's mother and father were from uh, Italy, and they were uh, immigrants who were... um, very hard workers, but, of course, terrified when they thought that their son could possibly be blind. Uh, same way with my mother's parents. They were uh, about 60 miles away from my dad uh, and his family. My mother was living on a, a farm in uh, central Indiana. My father was in a town called Muncie, Indiana, and Mom was over near the bustling metropolis of Lincolnville, Indiana, which I say that with a little sarcasm because it's probably got about 50 people there now, but at any rate, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a little yeah. joke, but uh, so um, it, it's just, their stories are so different from their childhoods because mom lived on a farm, their doctor was a country doctor who said he had done some research and he said, don't take this little girl to any uh, more doctors because they can't do anything for you. And don't waste your money, because she will eventually be blind, and there's nothing you can do about it. So mom went ahead and lived her life and just had fun on the farm. She rode horses. She had some sight until she was 11 years old, but uh, it faded over as, uh, gradually over time. Let's talk about um, your mom. Um, well, it's... Um Mario. Mario became the first blind graduate of the University of Notre Dame Law School. Right. So it's right. really hard for me to tell their story in, in 30 seconds because it's so vast and so many stories within it. I mean, I can give it an outline if that would be a good place to start. I wasn't sure where to start. All right. That is, that's quite amazing, you know, uh, to, be, uh, to accomplish that. And they, they were blind at the time. Oh, yeah, they were blind from, dad was completely blind at age four, and mom was at age 11. But she, you could tell in early pictures of her, it was very obvious she wasn't able to see much. Uh, her eyes looked different. 
And Mario not only uh, graduated the University of Notre Dame, but was later elected judge of two different county courts in Muncie, in right. Indiana. Right. Wow. I don't know how much more you want to go in detail. Or... Right. I would love to hear more about it. That would be wonderful. You're listening to the Bev Moore Show, and we'll be right back after the break. Seriously? Now there's a hole in your defense. Look at the size of that... Is that a goat? You talking about me? I think this goat is saying gap. Must be talking about the expenses health insurance doesn't cover. So who's talking about the money Aflac pays to help close that gap? Aflac! Gap! Aflac! Gap! It's about to go down, baby! Aflac! Stop that goat! Get help with expenses health insurance doesn't cover at Aflac.com. Together, keep your head up, 
And welcome back. Okay. So, mom and dad met at the school. Because it's basically a love story, but it's also an amazing story of two people who would not give up. And that's uh, what I think people are finding inspiring about this story. Um, Mom uh, was told all her life, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't clean, you can't do the laundry, you can't cook. And she knew that she could do that. She really wanted more than anything to have a life of her own with her husband and have her own family. She wanted to live the American dream. But uh, every place she turned from her own mother to her mother-in-law to just people in general would keep saying, well, how can you raise children? Because my parents uh, fell in love early. My mother really, uh, in high school, actually, and uh, my father knew right away he wanted to marry her, but there was no way she was going to marry him until he could prove that he could earn a living. Uh, back in the 30s, 40s, there weren't very many opportunities for blind people. Uh, if you were blind in the school for the blind where they went in Indianapolis, Indiana, the boys were taught how to cane chairs or how to uh, make a broom or how to tune a piano or uh, you know, they were also could be taught music. And my dad was really an accomplished pianist and violinist, but he gave it up because he said, well, I can't play well enough to suit me. And what am I going to do with it anyway? I'm not going to go play in a bar. I can't earn money that way. So he was very fortunate to have an older brother, Charles, who was three years older, who was his mentor, and they went through some amazing adventures in their childhood, as well as through adulthood. Uh, so Charles decided he would go to law school, and that, then my dad decided, well, he would go to law school. So he was motivated because he figured he might be able to earn a living uh, to support my mother and hopefully have children. So that's why he ended up going to Notre Dame, and that's where his brother had gone. Um, and it, it must have been really hard for him because back then there was no tape recorders. He had to memorize everything. He was dependent on readers. Uh, the state paid for readers to come in and read to him, but he had to take notes in Braille and remember everything they said because he couldn't just, you know, two hours later, what did the book say about this now? He couldn't go back and look at the book. So he had to remember everything. Gosh. Uh, and and it is amazing the persistence and the creativity that both of them had to solve problems brought on by their blindness. Um, and, and, and mom was very creative in how she organized the house, and she raised four of us sighted children uh, pretty much independently. Uh, and she always told me, uh, the only thing I couldn't do for you children was to trim your fingernails. I'm like, oh, mom. <laughs> You know, it's just amazing. It's just amazing how independent she was. Uh, what would you say is is 
was the, the major challenges that they had or the most significant challenges. I'm Bev Moore, and we'll be right back after the break. With Milo E, I'm underperforming at work. With Milo E, my game is lame. With Milo E, I just can't cut the mustard. Low E, also known as low energy, affects millions worldwide. Thankfully, there's Planet Fitness. It's the most effective non-pharmaceutical way to turn your low energy into big fitness energy. Now I have energy to grind. I can make delicious sandwiches. Now I'm low E free. Join for $1 down, $10 a month, no commitment, cancel anytime.
And welcome back. Oh my! With raising I mean, four children, raising four children, I guess. Okay, with 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 raising children, um, was fear, and the fear was I'm finding out was justified. My mother was always afraid that Children's Protective Services would come and take us away, because somebody who was sighted might see us outside, and if we were dirty, we had dirty faces, or we wore dirty clothes, or we didn't look behave well, then. Somebody might report her, and we would be taken away. And, you know, I always thought, oh, that's never going to happen, Mom. Uh, but she had ways of, of dealing with that fear, of making sure that we were always clean and making, really cracking down on the discipline, especially when we were out in the public, because she knew she was being judged every time she walked out that door. Uh, in the grocery store, oh, there's that blind Mrs. Peroni. Or how does she know how to raise those kids? Or how does she know what those kids are doing? And, you know, especially when they were, we were young, that had to have been super stressful for her. And then later I was doing research for the book and found out that that fear is not totally unjustified because even now there was a couple, I think it was in Utah, uh, that a few years ago, uh, they were a blind couple. She had a baby in the hospital. She was having a little trouble nursing. But what blind, what mother doesn't have trouble nursing uh, at first because it's not the most natural thing? Um, and they, so the nurse called in protective services and said, "This woman can't take care of a baby," and they took the baby away. And and this was like oh in 2017. So mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, it, things haven't changed that much. Um, luckily, nobody ever, uh, to my knowledge, anyway, called children's protective services, but. In the book, I write about one incident when I was a newborn, and my brother, who was six years older than me, uh, decided on his own that it would be fun to take me for a walk in the baby carriage. So he took me down to the end of the block, and he got bored and a little tired, so he laid down and rested, and then he got up and ran home, and he left me alone in the baby carriage. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, when my mother heard from the ne- the neighbor who called, and they said, did you know Mary's alone down here? And, oh, my mother was absolutely horrified. But, you know, so little incidences like that. Yeah, I mean, stuff like that happens. Um, yeah, because that, I think was, that she, was my next question. Yeah, that was my next question I was going to ask you. I mean, you were the youngest of four children, and what it, what was it like to be raised by two blind parents for you? <sighs> You know, that's a really interesting question. It's a broad question because there's so many different things about being raised by blind parents. First of all, I didn't realize that they were any different from anybody else for a long time. They were mom and dad. That's the way they did. Of course, they read Braille. And then I went to school and realized, oh, well, I guess nobody else's parents have are blind. And so what was different for me, um, there were expectations. Um, I remember taking on more responsibility. For example... I was probably four or five by the time I started walking alone with my parents. Um, like My mother had not had any mobility training, so she never went anywhere by herself. Um, she was fine around the house, um, around the uh, yard, but uh, she would not go to, be able to go to the grocery. She didn't even walk next door by herself. Now, my dad had mobility training. The man got around. He had a, a seeing eye dogs all his uh, adult life. So... That was not a problem for him, but for my mom, okay, so I'd be walking with her, and I was taught how to uh, stop at bumps in the sidewalk to warn them so they wouldn't trip. 
at uh, the intersections of the curb, and if it was a high curb, I would say, oh, let's take a big step down, or, okay, we're, it's fine, we're just at the curb, and we're going to go across the street. And to think about what, for them, trusting us with their, basically with their lives, um, and not, oh, and I had to be aware of trees overhanging or bushes over the sidewalk that would be a hazard, so any kind of hazard, I had to walk around, and so that was different for us, but it, it, it didn't bother us. I mean, that was just part of life. I'm Bev Moore, and we'll be right back after the break. Jake from State Farm. I really want that personal price plan, so I'll admit it. I'm a bath bomb guy. Dude, you do not need to get that personal. The State Farm personal price plan simply helps you create an affordable price just for you. For real? Who's ready for their jazz bath? No? <laughs> Who is that guy? Jazz bath? Call or click to get a quote today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I was lost, you found a way to bring me back. Needed forgiveness. You always gave me that Girl, I'm a witness of your looks You don't be giving up And it's crazy How you saved me Hand on the Bible Don't know how I got you But I couldn't ask for more Girl, what we got's worth thanking God for So thank God I get to wake up by your side And thank God your hand fits perfectly in mine and thank God you love me when you didn't have to But you did and you do and he knew Thank God for giving me you Thank God for giving me you Thank God 
and welcome back. The hardest part but for me, you, but with you, it was like second nature. Yeah, I mean that was just all part of what we did. Another thing yeah. that um, my my most children are not asked by their parents. Do I look okay? Is my lipstick on all right? Mother, before she would go anywhere, would change her clothes into what she knew was a clean dress. She would comb her hair, take her makeup, pick her, put on a little makeup, put on uh, some lipstick, and then she'd look at me and she says, do I look all right? And how's my lipstick? Is it on straight? And you know, as I got older, I would be like, oh, come on, Mom, we got to go. If i got to go to the grocery with you, let's hurry it up. <laughs> but she was really meticulous, and she did not want to go out with any kind of lipstick crooked um and i don't blame her you know now that i'm an adult i realize uh, but most of mm-hmm. don't don't uh, um do i have any spots on me um and i take a look and think nope you're fine but for them <laughs> they can't look in a mirror they don't know that if they have any spots on them and that would be humiliating uh you don't want to go out uh with if somebody will look at you she doesn't know what she looks like and she's got spots on her and oh that's terrible and, and you know remember too this is i grew up in the 50s and 60s and i remember wearing white gloves when you're dressed up to go to church yeah it was a much more formal time uh my mother you know she would wear girdles and and hose every single day uh, and she wanted to make sure that she was put together very well. The other thing, my dad didn't care much about clothes, so she made sure that he was always um, well enough dressed. I mean, he had a, a his suits would always match and make sure his uh, shirts were ironed and he had the right tie on. And so she would put all of his clothes together on one hanger. Well, let me put it this way, one outfit on one hanger. So all he had to do is pick out, um, a suit and put on the shirt that was on that hanger and put on the pants and the top and all that. And he wouldn't have to worry. Everything goes together. So mm-hmm. uh, she also was pretty smart. She figured out that um, it would be embarrassing for him to be seen with uh, a one brown sock and one black sock. So guess what? My dad had all black socks. He did not have different color socks because she didn't, wouldn't be able to match him. Right. Wow. Little things like that that you don't think about. Um, to me, that was just second nature. But my mother also had an incredible memory. She did all the laundry and put away all of our clothes. And she knew by feel, by touch, whose clothes was whose. And she recognized uh, my clothes. Um, when I would be wearing them, she, she said, well, come here, let me see what you look like. And so I'd go over and she'd touch my shirt and she'd say, it had to have been tough, but she remembered fabrics. Um, and there was one time she went up my closet. Oh, I, I was looking in my closet. I could not find a white blouse. I could not, it was not in the closet. And I yelled down at her and she's in the kitchen. She says, mom, I can't find my blouse. And she's Mary, you know better. You come downstairs and talk to me. So I had to go downstairs. And then she said, I said, mom, I can't find this blouse anywhere. And so she said, huh? All right, she dries her hands off, and she goes up the stairs with me to my room and walks in the closet, and she reaches in, and about literally two seconds later, she holds up a, a blouse, and she says, is this it? And I said, uh, yeah. <laughs> and she said, now, Mary, you have two good eyes. You should have been able to see that blouse in there. I'm like, okay, Mom, that's your message. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god well you know my question is this how in the world did they learn or navigate the great depression and world war ii oh that's a really good question um 
they were in school in the 30s, uh, so, and they were, thank God, had supportive parents. Um, my uh, grandfather, the Italian grandparents, had a confectionery, as they called it back then. It was basically a candy store, an ice cream store, uh, and so they had made some a reasonable amount of money. They were extremely frugal, but uh, they wanted to make sure that their son would be able to you know, support himself, so when he was obviously a bright child, um, and they saved, and he was able to first go to what was then called Ball State Teachers College in Muncie, Indiana. Now it's called Ball State University. Um, and he went there three years for pre-law, and at that time, you didn't have to actually have four years like you do now. So he was admitted to uh, Notre Dame after that, and then was able to pa uh, pass the bar exam, um, which is another story in and of itself uh, in the book about how... Um, he managed to uh, do that and go into private practice or uh, practicing law with his brother. Um, so, yeah, that. So during the 30s, they were more in um, school and not as financially dependent on being able to work outside. So they weren't worried about working per se. Um, my mom was also at Ball State for a couple of years and then. Uh, things changed for her, and she ended up back at uh, the farm, staying on the farm, waiting for my father to um, finish up law school. I'm Bev Moore, and we'll be right back after the break. Tyler, have you tried these Doritos loaded yet? What? I haven't even seen these before. Well, what do you The nacho cheese snack for the bowl. Doritos loaded. Get them at 7-Eleven and only at 7-Eleven. Thank you. 
Welcome back. And then he practiced law for a year, um, made enough money to convince her that uh, he could support her, and she agreed to get married. And answer your question, um, 1941, they were married in October 1941, which was just about six weeks before uh, Pearl Harbor. So at that time, my dad had not raised quite enough money to rent their own apartments. They lived with his parents in Muncie. And um, that was really hard on my mother because... My Italian grandmother wanted to make sure that her son was well taken care of, and who could take care of her his her son better than herself? Uh, so she she told my mother, "Well, you can't see, so you can't do the laundry." And my mother was like, Ugh. and stay out of my kitchen uh, because that's my kitchen. So basically, she wouldn't let my mother do much of anything for that first year. Um, and meanwhile, my dad was establishing his practice and. They were, it had to have been incredibly stressful for them to live with her, mom, their mom and dad. Um, right. Then dad, 
Yeah, he, he got an apartment. He was able to afford an apartment, and they were so happy. My mother taught herself how to cook. She had a Braille cookbook uh, with all kinds of recipes in it that she read religiously. She um, had markings on the stove knobs that um, my grandfather put in there for her, like a low, medium, high, so she would hear clicks. She would turn it one way, and one click meant low, and then all the way over was high. And So she had ways of, of knowing how to do things. Um, and, and back then, of course, was uh, ringer washing machines that she had to run it through by all the, uh, all the diapers and things by hand. Uh, and then hang them up outside unless it was winter, in which case you go, oh, I just hung them in the dining room. I, it, it must have been so hard. It, it, and I think back for her and uh, the cloth diapers, for example, there were no paper diapers like they are now. There were the cloth ones that she had to wash herself and dry. And, and I asked her one time, I said, Mom, how did you handle, handle the pins, the diaper pins? Oh, she said, I just made sure that my fingers were between the baby and the diaper. And I said, oh, my God, didn't you poke yourself? She said, oh, yes, I always poke myself, but, you know, I didn't want to poke the baby, so I'd rather poke myself. I'm like, oh, Mom. <laughs> well, I just think it's, it's, it's just remarkable how she, your mom, despite everything, despite being told she could never run a household, your mom... Mm-hmm learn to cook, and raise a family of four-sided children with little outside help. Right. Yeah. Uh, she's a strong woman. Very strong. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It's, a, it's, it's just an extraordinary story. Well, that's why I wanted to write it down. Um, I have children and now grandchildren, and I thought, I don't want these stories to be lost. Uh, there are oh. some fabulous stories about my dad and my uncle. They went to uh, uh, Europe, to Italy, with uh, their parents to visit relatives. Well, my dad was 15 and on one trip. He was 15, and uh, his brother was 18. And his parents said, here's some money for a train pass. Y'all have a good time. They, well, they didn't say y'all, but... <laughs> I said, have a good time, and they uh, took the train all over Italy, and they went to Slovakia, and they went all over the place, having explorations. They didn't spend the night. One night, they spent the night on a ferry, because they didn't realize it was the last ferry, and they had no place to stay at night. So, uh, there's all kinds of stories about um, their adventures growing up, and and how my uncle taught my dad to swim, and uh, oh, they climbed buildings that were under construction, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that was a fun one, and uh, they one of the hikes that they took in Italy that year. I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit. I apologize, but one of the hikes oh, no took was, uh, mm-hmm. it was over a, a mountain pass, and it was way high. And Dad said, "Oh, I could hear far off the uh, cowbells in the distance," and I knew we were pretty high up, but I didn't realize how 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 high we were until. We started to fall, and um, he was able, Charlie, I guess, fell first, and then my dad sort of fell after him because they must have been holding onto each other. And finally, Charlie was able to grab a stronghold and they were able to climb themselves back up. But it was a scary part. They, uh, and Dad said later, he said, well, if I'd known how high up we were, I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> 
Uh, he, you know, so he had these kind of stories that are, are just um, amazing. Oh, yeah. And when they were kids, of course, um, Charlie somehow managed to earn enough money by picking up old medicine bottles back in the 30s that then were, uh, he washed them and then he sold them to some guys who um, were a little shady of characters. They uh, were moon, moonshiners, and so they bought the bottles from my uncle so that they could refill it with um, moonshine. And, of course, this was during mm-hmm. Prohibition. But Charlie made enough money that he could buy an old jalopy. So he bought an old jalopy, and they were driving around having a fine time together. Uh, and then he asked my dad, hey, Mario, you want to drive? Dad said, of course. So he taught my father how to drive. My dad, mind you, had no vision. Zero vision. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, my and, God, and how in the world? <laughs> they must have made quite a sight because uh, Charlie would stand behind my dad. This was he was, yeah. a, you know, these old-fashioned cars that had no top on them. <laughs> you could stand behind him and tap him on the shoulder. Uh, it's just um, amazing. They were just creative, and they just had fun. They had a lot of fun together. And so I had to write those stories down. That was part of it. I just I did not want them to be lost. Yeah, and I think it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's just, you know, you offer this historical tale, and it's just, it embraces everything, and it helps us understand how the world unfolded for generations past and what is possible for generations to come. True, true. And it, it, when I think about it, when they were born, there was no electricity in my mother's house, uh, and she used an outhouse with old Sears catalogs for toilet paper. I mean, and it wasn't until she went to Indianapolis in the School for the Blind that she encountered indoor plumbing. And so she adapted very quickly. <laughs> she did not have a problem with that. But, I mean, and, and there was no telephones out there. And the only way that the, my mom and dad could communicate uh, was uh, through the mail. So I had to be waiting forever for the mail person to come around and bring a, a note that would have been written in Braille. Now, in high school, they were taught both uh, print typewriters, so I have letters that my mom wrote to me, which have very few typographical errors in there. It's just amazing. Uh, I make more errors than she does. did. <laughs> you know, I've heard letters, I'm like, wow, mom, you did a really good job. And, and dad was the same way. That's how he took his test, was by taking a print typewriter in and typing away. Um, I'm Bev Moore, and we'll be right back. Okay, so like, my neighbor's always trying to outdo me. I get a TV, she gets a bigger one. I go to the zoo, she goes to Africa. Little does she know, I started shopping at Walmart. I get electronics, food, clothes, and even my fave cosmetics. Who's the smart shopper now? Where are you going today, Brittany? Dad, start the car. (laughs) Woohoo! Savings and rollbacks happen every day on all your favorite products. Walmart, long live the smart shopper. Used to taste that tad and over freight. Couple of kids in a Chevrolet. Catch a little air when we cross the tracks. Sipping on some from a paper stack. You hang your shirt on that maple lamp. Slipping through the moon to the river bend. Wasn't very long, I was jumping in. Jumping in. I guess I'm still doing now what I was doing then. Chasing you like a shot of whiskey. Burning, going down, burning, going down, chasing you like those good 
Chasing that freedom, chasing that feeling that got gone too soon Chasing that you and me, I only see in my review Till I'm late here tonight, holding someone new Still chasing you, still chasing you Talk about LA. I heard you got as far as Santa Fe. Well, you know, I tried to track you down. I only got as far as Guitar Town. Singing about a girl I used to know. Used to know. Used to know that I haven't given up. I'm just on your radio. Chasing you like a shot of whiskey. Burning, going down, burning, going down, chasing you like those goodbye taillights. Headed west, anywhere out of this nowhere town. Chasing that freedom, chasing that feeling that got gone too soon. Chasing that you and me, I only see in my review. Till I'm late here tonight, holding someone. Still chasing you, still chasing you Chasing you like a shot of whiskey Burning, going down, burning, going down Chasing you Chasing that freedom, chasing that feeling that got gone too soon Chasing that you and me, I only see in my review Till I'm late here tonight, holding someone new Still chasing you, still chasing you, still chasing you, still chasing you And welcome back. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they learn how to, to manage. Um, but it's, it's really, uh, it really just, yeah, it just really makes you appreciate life. It does. And, you know, that's the other thing that I think was a real gift. Someone asked me, what was the best gift that they gave you? And it's like being, there's two, two things I can think of. One is being attuned to nature. They were both attuned to nature, but especially my dad. He would hear... Um, a bird and say, oh, hear that beautiful cardinal, or wow, I love that robin singing away, or whatever bird it was, and so I started yeah. listening to birds. I love listening to birds. Um, he was the original uh, yeah. tree hugger. We, we'd go for walks, yeah. and he, I would say, oh, yeah, here's a big tree, and he'd say, well, let me see how big it is, so he'd step right next to it, and he'd put his arms around it, and he'd say, oh, this is a very big tree, isn't it? I said, yeah, he said, I can't even put my arms <laughs> around it. Yeah, um, so I appreciate those gifts, and as well as the gift of compassion. Yeah. Yeah, it's so fun. It would be so fun, I think. Such a lifetime experience, I I can only imagine. Well, you know, let me ask this before we close up. I mean, and I want you just to, you know, think outside the box and just tell us, um, what should we know that we should take home with from this show 
um, about the challenges and struggles and gifts of blind people? You know, I'd like to use these forums to educate people about blind people. And it so drives me insane. When I was growing up with my mom, we would be sitting out, uh, sitting in a restaurant, and the waitress would come up with two menus, which is fine because my mother had artificial eyes and she did not look blind. But I would say, oh, we only need one um, menu. Then the woman would realize, oh, that mom couldn't see. And she would come back then and say, well, what does she want? I don't know what she wants. Why don't you ask my mother? So, you know, they are human beings with feelings, and they're not stupid, and you don't have to talk slowly. They're, you know, you just treat them they're like anyone regular. else. People. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and, yeah. you know, the other thing to think about is be kind, and if you know somebody who has vision problems, whether they're completely blind or they're older and are having vision problems, call them up. Say, hey, would you like to go for a, a walk? Would you like to go to the grocery store? What can you want to go out just for a ride, just to get out of the house? That's so important. My parents love to get out of the house and go for rides. So, awesome. Uh, you know, there's things that most people don't think about, but it's just the real practical stuff that I like to tell people. And what would you say is the biggest gift that they bring to the table? Love. They get love. a lot of love. Yeah. Lots they were love. very loving people. Yeah. Love and, uh, you know, so many people say I wrote an inspirational book, and I'm like, well, I never sat down to write one because if I'd sit down to write an inspirational book, I'd still be sitting at a blank computer screen. I just <laughs> I was not a right inspirational book, but it turned out that way. I've been really amazed at how many people say, oh, Mary, I love your book. It is so inspiring. I'm like, oh, okay, well, thank you. Right. Well, such a beautiful story. Mary, thank you. Thank you so much for this. This has just been a wonderful interview. We had a few hiccups, but don't worry. We'll make sure it's great for the show. And. Okay. Um, I just, I just want to thank you for being here and for, for all of our listeners. I know everyone is going to enjoy this, and, and it's just an inspiration, thank a great you. inspiration. Well, I appreciate it. Also, if you would just give a little plug to the title of the book. And, uh, yes, know that please, it's on, uh, online. Yeah. So, in fact, online, please, please give us the title and where to find you. Yes. The title is The Sound of Her Voice, My Blind Parent's Story. And you can find me on, uh, just Google that title, and you'll find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or any other number of booksellers online. Uh, and you can also go to your independent booksellers or your local bookseller and ask them to order it, and they'll get it for you quickly. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Mary. I appreciate it. Thank you for being yeah, a guest, a super guest on the Bev Moore Show. I'm Bev Moore, and we'll be right back. After the At break. Jersey Mike's, they slice your order fresh, right in front of you. And let me tell you, watching that can send a rush of emotions through a person. Excitement, impatience, baby-like wonder, indecisive, anticipatory chewing, nervous pacing, happy claps, and finally, jealousy. Because that's this guy's sub. I should order one. Mm, good idea. Sliced right in front of you. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. A sub above.
can't win, I can't reign, I will never win this game without you, without you, without you, without you, without you, without you. I am lost, I am vain, I will never be the same without you, without you. Hope you've enjoyed this program and will tune in for many more. Until next time, take care. <laughs>